Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. It is I, Jeff Dewaskin, your host from Classic Conversations, welcoming you to a bonus episode in the feed where we feature best of segments from our live show, Crossing the Streams. What is Crossing the Streams? It answers the universal question What should I be binge watching next? I just finished something and now I need something else. We hear you, and that's why we're here. Head over to our YouTube channel. Follow us there. You'll get notified. You can watch us live every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can comment along. As we review TV series and movies that you can binge watch on one of the million services you probably are paying for right now. On YouTube right now is over 80 hours of TV binge-watching suggestions. You can watch whole episodes of Crossing the Streams. This bonus episode pulls segments from three various shows. We just go right deep, right into it. Today, we're talking about Bikram Yogi Guru Predator, This Is Us, and Operation Varsity Blues. The conversations are fun. It's like if you're hanging out with your friends and talking at a party or at work or dinner. You know, it's that kind of chatter. We're not experts. We just spend a lot of time watching TV and love talking about it. So we're here to share it with you. Let's get right into it, shall we? Let's kick it off with Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. Ron Libet's going to take us through this show on Netflix. Take it away, Ron. So you know what? I want to jump right into that one. Let's talk about Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. Take it away. Let's, um, let me let me take it. First off, it, it is legitimately it's it's Bikram. Bikram, yeah, right? <laughs> Bikram. So so I don't imagine you guys are are heavy yoga practitioners. I don't want to make any judgments or any generalizations. But have, have you guys taken yoga before? I have taken it. Yes. Yeah. I did it once. Yeah. Promptly so, escorted out. Before COVID, I actually started getting into it. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Bikram because Bikram does represent a very specific channel within the yoga universe. But I, I think that you know the, the yoga world is so developed at this point. It's so ingrained in, in Western culture and particularly American culture that the very idea that yoga wasn't even around in the 70s until this guy, Bikram Chowdhury, who I'm going to talk about, brought it to our shores, to Hollywood, California, back in, in the 70s. But it just seems so odd to me today, the, the idea that we didn't have yoga before then, because it's everywhere now. You can't go to any shopping mall, any area of the country where they don't uh, tout yoga. But I'll tell you what they're not touting. They're not touting Bikram yoga, because now the word Bikram, which I always thought in my pea-sized brain just meant hot. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the term Bikram yoga, assume that means hot yoga. No, Bikram's the guy's name. And Bikram Chowdhury is the guy, as I said, I started it in Hollywood, California in the mid-70s. Mid and so let me just tell you a little bit about this. This dude came to the United States as a guru of a certain style of yoga that came from a, a dude in India named B.C. Ghosh. And he essentially stole all of BC Ghosh's developed yoga training, which at the time was considered to be extreme and, and kind of 
uh, fringe type of lifestyle stuff and brought it, brought it here and packaged it. And that's what this guy was good at. He was good at packaging these things up for American, you know, Western audiences. And what he found was a kind of a perfect storm in LA. Leave it to LA because there's all these people that are willing to look for that next great lifestyle shift to that next great opportunity to find some lifestyle advantage. And they found it in, in this guy. And so he created this, this style of yoga that was in 41 degrees Celsius rooms, which I always just, with Celsius, I double it and add 30, right? 41 makes 82, makes 112. 112 degrees, right? That's that's a friggin' hot room. <laughs> I, like, I don't know if you've done many things in 100 degree plus weather for, for much longer than a couple minutes, but, but these are hour long or 90 minute long sessions. And this guy is killing you. And not only is he killing you, but he's ripping on you. Like not just physically, like he's telling you what a fat so you are. He's telling you what a loser you are. He's telling you that you you came from nothing. You're gonna die with nothing. Everything that uh, that you bring to this room brings everybody down, and 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 you're not leaving this room until you become somebody new. And and then he would bend you into position that would cause injury. And then he would stand on top of your back while you're in some type of weird prone position just to prove that he could. And this thing sounds like I, family the, dinner at the Lippets. <laughs> things catching on people are like there give me more tell us more about this friggin' yoga he's beating the crap out of people and insulting them and they're paying him insane amounts of money in la and before you know it people are asking him to franchise and thus begins the story of the Bikram world, because he's now charging thousands and thousands of dollars for people to become disciples of the Bikram yoga. And in doing so, the ability to open up franchises all over the United States, which is exactly what happened. I mean, this thing spread like wildfire throughout the United States. I didn't know anything about yoga. And even I had heard of Bikram yoga. It was everywhere. But we're, but here's the deal is that in order to become a Bikram like certified yogi, you had to go through his course. You had to pay insane amounts of money. And then here's the catch. He had to sign off on you personally. And this is where a lot of, as it turns out, and the Netflix documentary, and I should pause here just to let you know, this is a documentary on Netflix. It's, uh can't remember exactly how many episodes it is, but it's multiple episodes. It's it's a very fast moving and very worthwhile discovery of who Bikram was, what the process was, what led to his incarceration, and ultimately what led to uh, the trial of Bikram Yoga. And then a Eventually, what became of Bikram Yoga, which is to say that the whole thing um, disintegrated. Um, and that's not ruining anything. That's just, that's why you don't see Bikram Yoga anymore. When folks were ready to certify as guru, typically young, attractive women, he would frequently, as is alleged in the Netflix documentary, bring them to his hotel room or bring him to his office or bring them to his house. And there he would molest them. Um, he would molest them sometimes multiple times. In one case, he raped a woman with the woman's. Uh, husband and children in the next room. Uh, he stole money. He cajoled money. He, he extorted people. He forced people into um, situations that they weren't comfortable with. And just, it, it turns out that as the case against him started to build, like it became like an avalanche of accusations of all the terrible things that this guy was doing while building his empire. And not just rape and and kidnapping and and but also like extortion and and financial crimes and you know all all these uh, terrible things that that are starting to come to light. Here's the amazing 
epilogue to the story. And that is, uh, he denies it all. He refuses to face the courts here in the United States. Uh, he, no one knows where he is. He supposedly was in Mexico City, then he was in India, but he's not here. No one knows where he is. He has millions and millions and many, many, probably tens of millions of dollars, if not more, uh, sacked away from this. And to date, he has never faced a single charge, not a single charge from any of this. So the dude, the dude's gone. And all that's left is just this wreckage of Bikram yoga that is strewn across the United States. And so there is no more Bikram. All of the all of those studios, all those certifications are gone. The the concept of hot yoga, which to be fair, he did introduce to American audiences, it still exists and is thriving here in the US, but the name Bikram shall not be spoken ever again. And that is the story that, that comes from Netflix. I think they do an excellent job. It's a well done documentary. It is interesting. Having just taken yoga myself, I know how easy it is to be exposed to a situation where wounded people are seeking more from their yogis. And I, I get how I get how people could be exploited in that situation. I totally understand it. And it just does bring up an underlying theme here in the U.S., which is there are a number of stories that are coming to light about lifestyle choices that are fraught with um, crimes, uh, opportunities to exploit people, not just with yoga, but with all, you know, all kinds of different paths to so-called enlightenment. And uh, I think this is just one terrible story uh, associated with probably a lot of similar stories in all kinds of different ways. Uh, a number of episodes back, I talked about the Nexium self-help group that turned into a flat-out cult. Felt felt like a similar vibe story to this, although I didn't hear about so much extortion and financial crimes. It is a similar theme. So I, I am starting to be more sensitive to the fact that a lot of these lifestyle channels that are available to us can be fraught with uh, opportunities to be exploited. So I'll just throw that, that out there as a warning for all our viewers. Don't be exploited. Be very careful. And uh, also be careful with hot yoga. You can get sick. Uh, so I'll pause there. It's a, it's a good watch. I enjoyed it. And I, I hope you guys check it out. What uh, you you said uh, during your review that uh, he just took off or whatever? Like, where did he yeah. go? Did he take a bunch of money overseas or something? Yeah, yeah, that's the suggestion. They don't know where he is. Okay, yeah. hmm. yeah. somewhere hot. <laughs> right? right. Well, it, I'll tell you, if you're not going to watch the whole thing, what is interesting to watch is is him just abusing these people because uh, the guy so, being such a narcissist that he was videotaped himself, right? Uh, there's a million videotapes of him leading these classes in California. And he just loved to show on video all the ways to so-called better people by abusing them. I think he, at the time he thought that that was helping to market the the style, but it, it's uh, now looking at it through this, this lens, it's not so attractive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you recommend it? I do recommend it. It's interesting. And I think, I think you, uh, I think it's a, a definitely a worthy watch. I know yoga might not be your thing, uh, but I don't know that yoga is really what the story is. I think it's about all of uh, our, the, the potential to be exploited in seeking new things in our lives. All right. Straight from episode 68 of crossing the streams, Ron Lippett masterfully taking us through the downward dog of Bikram, Yogi Guru Predator. Check that out on Netflix. And next, from episode 67, Jeff Horst and Esther Navarez, guests of the show, are taking us through This Is Us. Take it away, Jeff and Esther. 
All right, cool. So let's Jerk. get to another one. Let's this is let's get to a tear jerker of all shows. Oh, no. This ah! is yeah. us now in its four hundredth season. Jeff, no. take it away. Last season, no less. Yeah, this is last season. This is this is a tear jerker show. This is a show that when people watch it and they say they don't cry, then uh, you don't you can't trust them. You can't trust people. <laughs> that their body isn't producing an emotion that millions of dollars is put into this program to make you. Yeah. You're broken. If you don't cry watching this, especially the first season, it's almost every single episode for the first couple of seasons. And it's about Jack and Rebecca, uh, husband and wife. It's about their love story at first to where it's kind of hard to not spoil it without just describing mm. the. Well, I mean, can thing. we just can we spoil the pilot? I think if it's something that's I mean, been it's on, it's been around year. long enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can pilot, you can spoil. If you pilot. remember okay. the pilot, so how it ended. I, I remember the pilot. You might have to help me out with this. I remember the pilot being just was what hooked us on the show because it seemed like it was about separate stories, and then it all came together, and then you found out that that they were a family. That was the family. They, they play with time a lot. In they the do future. a good in the future. They do a good job of past. showing uh, the past and the future and then showing how people become who they grow up to be. And it's it's very interesting that re- remind me of the pilot. Just take over. OK, uh, sorry. The, the Rebecca and Jack have three children. They have triplets, but one of them dies. One of the triplets dies. So they end up adopting a baby who comes in that same day that they had the um mm-hmm. Who's born the, the same day? The kid. So they have three infants at the same time. But in the pilot, they're showing the adult lives. Of, and you don't know that the past is the past because they don't really tell you. The, yeah. And in the very end, you realize of the pilot, you realize that you were watching their parents. You think mm-hmm. you're just watching another couple of people they, they did but a, now when they go back and forth you always know yeah. what time it is they changed like the coloring and so the Rebecca first and episode, jack is, is mandy moore and milo mm-hmm. Bert Maglia. and they yeah. did a, a very good job with mandy moore i was very surprised at the uh at the the casting and just the acting of it all because of having to make them look older and it being believable i i believe that mandy moore is an older woman she when I'm watching really it, job. she does a really good job of making me feel like she's an older. Uh, I, I don't know how old she is in the in the last season, but so like so the 60. story really stems around the uh, the passing of Jack. You find out early on. It's what's interesting to me about This Is Us is that they do a lot of things in reverse and they still make it interesting. They're like, all right, so Jack's gonna die. And then so the whole first season, you're like, is it I think today's the day the episode he dies. And you're like, all right, nope, nope, it's not. All right. He's, today's the episode. Yeah, he drives drunk. Go, God damn it. Like, when, is right. he, when is this guy going to die? I need this to get over with. How does he die? And so they do a lot of showing the future of like these two people get together. And then we find out how that comes to be. And I feel like I don't know how that works for me, but I'm still in suspense of. Yeah and interested in how how it comes to be the casting of it i really think is amazing because i don't know how whose job it is to find children that you believe will grow up to look like a, this adult version of somebody else but the whole time i'm like this and is they have different ages this is insane 
this is insane. They got they put they added the same freckle on one of their uh, their eyeball. eye eyeballs she's just eyeball to, just she's got an eyeball freckle <laughs> and then so they gave uh, as a young kid they're like put on this eyeball freckle contact or something yeah. I don't know how they do it but it it does a, there's so many characters that they add that it's hard for me to give uh, too much in depth to to any of them specifically but it really is a it shows about their family and just how much the passing of their father because uh, it really stems around the the three of them the two brothers and sister and it shows just how much his passing affected affects their their lives as they they go they grow older and they do a lot of parallels like they'll have a theme like okay this is all of them having a hard time being a dad or something and so they'll show like in the past somebody having whatever this hard time is with a dad and like they'll have that same <laughs> problem in like three different timelines but mm-hmm. it's not obvious where they're Mm-hmm. Uh, where it, it seems forced it just seems like natural but then you'll go oh wait they were just having this kind of conversation and now these people in this timeline are having this kind of set conversation it's cool Th- they set up so much backstory to all of these characters that during the pandemic during the protests when they added that aspect to the show part of you just thinking of them from a writing standpoint you're like did you rewrite how much of the show did you have to rewrite because you weren't planning on having to give people masks for, and talk about yeah, the being adopted. boosted. And, 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 you know, there's so many aspects of it that I'm like, how much of this did you have to redo? But it doesn't feel forced somehow because yeah. they gave enough depth into the characters beforehand that it just seems like it's not like they were like, just now today we're going to talk about race because Randall, the one that's adopted, he's black. And they talked enough about his background and how what made him feel different that when they brought it back later on, it felt appropriate without it being like a forced plot that you think some shows are like, all right, a bad thing happened in the news. We got to, we got to act like we care. How do we just force this in here and title the episode? We're good people. Like they didn't do that. Sometimes they'll have episodes that aren't about any, they had an episode that wasn't about any characters. It was just, it was a just side. a side story. And I, then at the end, I thought they were going to so tie weird. it to somebody that was like related to somebody and make it. A th- and they were like, this is based on a true story of. And it was, it was the, I've never seen that. Yeah, on I've never TV seen show. that. So that they was a little did weird. It once, but they, cool. they do go to still like some side but... characters sometimes and go to the past and like show them. Wasn't it about like uh, somebody who invented something for video games? Wasn't it? Yeah, I don't like know what with it was. Like it was a, very a, weird. Yeah, I forget what but, it was. But yeah, they just do a good job. I When you were talking earlier, Jerry just posted this comment. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about that. Is he going to die in this episode? <laughs> about Kristen, yeah. Kristen Glover yeah. losing his arm in Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the reason I never watched This Is Us, and I, very, I remember specifically choosing not to watch it is i remember the promos and i was like this just looks like one of those shows that's just gonna manipulate me to try and cry and feel emotion manipulate you feel cheated it's it's good to cry jeff well it's not there's (laughs) there's 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 there's, um there's storytelling that kind of just gets you there but it just felt like this this was engineered to make you cry. <laughs> like it was just yeah. like this yep. is gonna everything's gonna twist and turn you. And how real I, can that feel? You know, I mean you still a cry. Lot of humor I, I, in it and they're good. But characters. you're saying yeah. I mean I'm hearing good. I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing good things. How many how many but seasons? 
Is this show? Yeah. There's like 99 uh, episodes. Seven? <laughs> I want to say this is the sixth or seventh. Uh, yeah. But it this is like, the last one. For, mm. for those of us who haven't even begun it, it sounds like such an overwhelming investment to, to get started yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. I don't that, know. We were, but all, yeah, I guess it's also different of opinions for what people are interested in television. Me, To me, I think that we should force people to cry. So they don't grow up and become serial killers. I well, think that's that what it should be. That, I think right. it should be Casey mandatory Ryan never to make cried. men cry no. watching television. And no, that's what DreamWorks is for. You know, yeah. they they handle that. Pixar <laughs> does that. They yeah, they're ready. You're for crying it, in man. like a kid way. You know what I mean? Or it's, I, I, I like seeing adults go through sad things. I get it. I get it. Grow and, up and, and be a human being. And you're right. The cast is amazing. I mean, Chrissy Matz, Sterling K. Brown, Justin Hartley. Hashtag my green arrow. <laughs> and they they're not perfect they show them flawed yeah. they but you still like but they still make them likable and that makes it just more realistic so there's not like i oh, see their perspective person I, I, they do a good job of even if they make a decision that i disagree w- with of like i don't think they should have did that i see they build the characters up enough to where i'm like i see why you did that like i see the I see where everybody's coming from. There, I don't right. think there's ever a moment where I'm like, "That's nobody would ever do that." That's insane. Yeah, even the yeah. dad, he's like looked at as like, "Oh, he was the best, and he's the pedestal, and everybody wants to be like he was a drunk, and he was like he had problems." They, they view him right. as being perfect, but they still show his flaws. So you're all in. You're all in on this. Is I'm, I'm all in. Oh yeah, that's one of the only shows that we actually keep up with. We just. He had a show last night, or we would have watched. The Is it streamable? Yeah. Where, can you, where can you watch yeah. the previous seasons? Hulu. 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 Hmm. All right. Cool. Awesome. Great job. Yeah. You guys nice rock. job, guys. Yay. You guys are welcome Thanks. back anytime. <gasps> we won. All right. So speaking of. All right, so I guess basically if you need a cry, This Is Us is for you. Thanks, Jeff and Esther. Check out past episodes and catch up with all of This Is Us on Hulu. By the way, Hulu, Netflix, they don't pay us. We just mention it so you can find it easier. All right, up next, all the way back from episode 16, Operation Varsity Blues. Bob was supposed to take the lead on this. He had technical issues, had to bail. I jumped in. We'd all seen it. It was a hot movie at the time. But if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Take it away, me. So if anyone hasn't noticed, well, I had complete technical difficulties (laughs) last week, but yet managed to stay on the whole time, yet managed to deal with customer support on one computer and completely managing a completely live show on the fly on the other one. Bob is no longer here. Bob, though, however, was taking the lead on Operation Varsity Blues. For some reason, everyone who watches this thinks it's called the Emissions Scandal, College Scandal, because I think on actually Netflix, that's what they call it. I don't think they, they do. call it by the name of the actual movie, that's right. Operation Varsity Blues. I did watch this movie, so I'll I'll run shotgun on it. And then I think Sal saw it as well. And I, I saw it as well, Jeff. Okay, so we all saw it. Yeah, so yeah, I'll give yeah. it and then we'll kind of talk about it because this is... Well, can, uh, can, I say, can I say what the name should have been for this? It shouldn't have been Operation Varsity. But there was no varsity athletes. It should have been <laughs> It should have been Operation Freshman Have No Talent Blues. That's what it should have been called. Go ahead, Jeff. I had to get that joke in. Or I was it, gonna- it should be <laughs> rowing is not a sport. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Hey, we're going to get hey. letters. So, we're going to yeah. get emails now. <laughs> rowing avid is a, rower. You're avid rower. If we didn't get letters last week, we're not getting letters this week. I apologize <laughs> to the rowing community. 
So as as most people know, because of their love for Aunt Becky from Full House, there was something that went on not too long ago, actually, where it became very clear that there were many, many very rich white families, mostly, I think mostly it was all rich white people, right? It, uh, basically buying their way into prestigious colleges. And so what this movie does it is a documentary. It's about an hour, 40 minutes or so like that. So it is one of those HBO shows that does actually just use the amount of time and doesn't turn this into five hours of McMillions. So sorry, Howard, I know you like that one. So the, I, shorter. just a quick background is there's this person named Rick Singer. Rick Singer has a background. He used to coach for college sports. When he left that job, the knowledge that he had was that he recognized that there was this, quote unquote, side door way to get people into colleges. That side door being get them approved and then it doesn't have to go specifically through the admissions process. It goes through the coaches onto these lesser known sport teams. So we're not talking about putting someone on a football team. We're talking about uh, water, volleyball. <laughs> we're talking, what else is it? What's, what is the paddling one? One of them sailing. Sailing, right. Yeah. So these smaller. Checker, checkers. No, I don't know. <laughs> Checker. Competitive chess. And Definitely so it, it's called a side door because the reality is there's also what's called a back door. The back door is the, and still exists to this day and will probably always exist, is my rich dad donates, like this happened to Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner's father donates $2.5 million. Don't you know, quote me on the exact amount, but millions upon millions of dollars to Harvard. And suddenly he's admitted, right? Without the grades of anyone or anything or test scores of someone who should have been admitted. This also went to the point where they would send these people to certain test locations, the SAT locations, and get them to first they would, the children, the students would go get evaluated and be evaluated having a disorder or something that made them allow for extra time on their tests. This is something actually that a lot of people do in every city to get their kids extra time where suddenly they have a disorder that they didn't have prior. That means you can have seven hours on the SAT instead of four, or it's taken over two days, et cetera. So they would then have those people go to this location where then they paid off the person administering the test who would then redo the answers on the test. And literally, because they were smart enough, and by smart enough, it's very clear that it, meaning like any 40-year-old should be able to pass a test meant for a 17-year-old. <laughs> so, you know, to get them the scores that they would need to get into school. And then they would doctor photos. They, so they would take sales face and put them on an actual water polo person's body and then submit that through the uh, the water polo team and make a very large donation to get them to be approved by the coach as a, as a member of that team. And so the famous thing is Lori Laughlin's daughter, who that whole thing kind of blew up in her face because this her daughter was Olivia Jade, who had this huge influencer career like huge the, the take one of the takeaways i took is wow they're bad parents they should have just let her be what she was going to be i right. mean she was yeah, accomplishing okay. more than and the scandal not only and most of the time just so everyone knows the kids didn't even know this stuff was going on and so 
you know, they, they basically ruined her entire career, the daughter's career by forcing them in. Anyway, so, but the premise of the movie is fascinating in the sense uh, Matthew Modine stars as Rick Singer. And this isn't like most of those cheesy movies and documentaries where they do these ridiculous reenactments. They, it's actually really, really well acted. Mm-hmm. And they use the exact wire transfer scripts. I say that assuming it's true, wiretap scripts that they do. So it's all the actual dialogue that's going back and forth. And when you watch it, it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. And Mm -hmm. it's just how some people were manipulated and got screwed and and all that kind of stuff. And the interesting thing is this Rick Singer guy was such a good salesperson. He's still free. He's still running and doing whatever because his deal was until everyone else got prosecuted, he didn't he's sitting there as a free person. So it could be so while Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and all those people were in jail and other people spent, you know, five weeks, five months in jail, he's still free as a bird until all this all this gets cleared up. And there's probably a good half dozen people that could take years to get through the legal yeah. system. Yeah. One of the things I liked about it, Jeff, was uh, seeing the uh the students that did not get in to the schools. They would show like Zoom videos of those students not getting in and crying because they couldn't get in. I thought that was kind of a little added thing to show. Also, what I was thinking of, obviously, like you said, Jeff, they had to use sports that really didn't make a lot of money. But I was thinking like, can you imagine how many how many of these so-called athletes they could have hid if they could have used like the USC football team? Because there's like 70 guys <laughs> on the side. You could have hid the two daughters and, you know, Brent Musburger could have went, hey, USC has two female field goal kickers on the backup team. I mean, you could have hid so many of these uh, really money if you could have used a football team. But obviously you can't. Those football teams make all the money. for. So those sports do exist, like rowing and all that. But I thought Modine did a great job in it. Obviously, he's a very well-respected actor. I thought it was really good. You did a good job reviewing it. But I don't know. Uh uh, Ron, I think you said you saw it as well. I, I did. I did. I, I always remark on these um, schemes like this. Do you ever notice they always go south, not because somebody caught on to the scheme and the, and the feds get investigated. It's something secondary always happens unrelated to the event that suddenly yes. puts the, the, the feds onto the onto the scent of what's actually going on. And that that's exactly what happened here. Right. Um, some some guy got arrested and then said, well, I can give you information on, exactly Rick, right. on Rick Singer if you if you let me go. That's exactly and, right. But the funny thing, the funny thing is, Ron, that's how a lot of things happen. Like you can have murderers. They get pulled over for a traffic ticket and that's how they catch them. I mean, that's, yeah. it, it that's happens right. a lot. Well, I, I, I got a question for you guys, though. Um, when they when Rick Singer would be on the phone with uh, some of these parents and they would like be doubting it a little bit, like, you know, he would say, oh, we've been doing this for 24 years. Years. Was that just a line that he was using, or was it really going on for 24 years? I didn't. Mm. I, did you guys catch that? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't know. know either. Yeah, yeah it seemed like he was lying about a lot of stuff. So I would assume yeah. that was a lie. All right. Here, yeah, here's my question. I, I liked it. I thought it was actually really cool. I liked the version and, and the usage of the, the playbacks. Um, but my question is throughout the whole thing, what was he using? Was he OK? I, I'm assuming he made money. But what was he doing with his money? Because they said multiple times he would get up at four in the morning. He'd just go to work and he would travel and he'd work and he would work and then he would work and then he would work. But they never showed him spending or doing they, anything. The only with- thing they showed, Zach, is that they had he had a ridiculous car. What was it? The, tes- like the a, Tesla. The te- was it a Tesla? Is that what yeah. Um, his house, his house was enormous too. His house. Yeah, was- he seemed to be just the guy that like. I think there's certain people that just they like winning. 
That's and so it's like, it's not even about, you know, he had the nice car. He had the, he could fly around. He probably was first class everywhere he went, all that kind of stuff. It is great though. Everyone should watch it. It it was a great, it's a great deep dive into understanding the scandal and everything that kind of went on and just the scam that happened. Um, I'll just say one other thing, Jeff, before we we move on is that it's interesting because Yale and Stanford are featured in this, but, but I also found it super interesting that a lot of the schools that were wrapped up in this are not like what you'd consider to be elite schools. Well, the, the the other interesting thing is is they blame the schools. Yeah, First of all, we we, uh, we uh, reconvinced Casey Ryan plot. So success, <laughs> nice. Um, yes, but the, you know, just basically, kind of the the, the greatest uh, thing, the the biggest scam is is that you have the only way to get a good education is to go to Harvard or one of these. Yeah. ivory league schools you know and so it's like and then that creates this demand and then it creates all these things that you know on all these backdoor deals and all that kind of stuff all right operation varsity blues check it out we all love that one i think that one's a must see also this is us bikram yogi guru predator episodes 16 67 and 68 all featured check out the full episodes and 80 plus more on our YouTube channel. Follow us on YouTube and get alerted when we go live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. We'd love to have you chat along with us. So you got homework. Check out those shows. Go find your favorite spot on the couch. Grab the remote. Cross your own streams. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.